0: Folks, how's the form? Wednesday morning, you know what it is. From our mouth to your ears. Skellon, NFL. Pro Football Ireland. I'm going to bring in Mark Hogan first. Because Mark went to the Stade de France on Saturday night and then went to the Bills game on Sunday. Mark, for a man that works on radio, tell us your voice, which is not going to go through AI tonight at all. It's going to be raw. Go for it.
1: Yeah, the moneymaker. So we, <laughs> we, we, we flew through... Geneva on Friday and I went straight from work and it wasn't sounding great. Now, if you caught me on the, on the radio waves now on Friday morning, I wasn't saying a great, but I completely lost the voice on Friday, completely. So much so that I'm sitting outside Geneva paying way, way, way too much for food and drink, and I couldn't even enjoy it because I'm trying to have a conversation with my girlfriend and no words are coming out. So uh, I, d- I didn't know I'd be able to make it into the office today for the first day back. I wasn't able, I, I saved my voice enough that I was able to partake in zombie now, thank God the Ireland match was a bit of a blowout that I didn't have to be screaming and shouting like I usually would. But I had a bit of a song and dance there for Zombie. That was, lads, how did that come across on TV? Because that was unreal. Well, well in NI slash
0: North, whatever you want to call it, folks, ITV um, went to a break. And I had to watch it on ITV because Virgin Media, I get it, but it's not in HD for us. Um, James, feel free to comment on that whole conversation. But also, remember last week you were like, Calm down. Calm down. Are, are you still in that boat at the minute? Because I feel like there might not be any podcast produced next week if we win on Saturday night. Genuine.
2: I, I like I like my rugby. Um, I, I, we've all followed Ireland for a while, but I'm not getting anyways excited over the Scotland game. Um, Scotland are average, to be honest. They're on the plane home. They're very, very average. They're bang average, right? They're all talking no game, I'm afraid to say. Now, if things go different this Saturday, I will hop on the bandwagon. Not the bandwagon. I, I, I will believe. Then I'll become to believe. If they can take, take down the All Blacks in the World Cup to get through to a semi final, which we've never done before. Right. It's on, lads. It's on. It's on.
0: Alert the parish. Alert the parish. I want to give a shout out to my future sister-in-law who has a wedding next Saturday night. and I swear to God, Anita, that game's not on if we win. I'm not going. Uh, let's get into the action. There is a game, there's an NFL game on Sunday and James, the final thing I'll say on the rugby is oh my God. You know, if they win, they better have it up early because that's going to be hard getting over to London on Sunday if that happens. But um back to the football. Um, James, look, we'll like people know now. Like, sorry, people know now you're a Patriots fan. We will get into the Patriots. I promise. We'll we'll go with like an in-depth like do you want a game when you were younger? Operation where you'd like pick out certain yeah. Like we'll, yeah. we'll do that at some point. Um, it was funny because you mentioned a few topics this morning when I was chatting to you and. Like, did you watch the Niners Cowboys game live? Because if you did, fair play. i I tell you,
2: no, I, I won't lie to you guys. I didn't. I didn't. But well, my habit at times if I miss a game live at the late game, <laughs> I kind of I rewatch kind of extended highlights over and over again. So there's like there's, there's like a there's like a period of like 16 or 17 minutes. You can get videos and just keep watching the the plays over and over again. And, that, and to be honest, that that kind of scratches the itch for those type of games. Now, if it's the Patriots are playing, I'll stay up regardless. Even even if we're going terrible, I I'll be up watching them. Uh, but in this type of game, I'm afraid I was, I was in the lab, but like I caught it and very impressive lads, very impressive. So like I do at times, I go deep diving into things that I have no reason to deep dive into. So I deep dove into, into Brock Party to find out his history and all about him, his date of birth and his, his star sign, you name it. Like he's just seriously impressive. And <clears throat> I was going to throw a question to you guys now watching him again, like he's extremely poised, extremely accurate. He's mobile, you know, he comes across very, very confident. Obviously, he's on a rookie contract as Mr. Irrelevant, so his contract is is downright nil. When it comes to time, is he going to get paid big? Because he was Mr. Irrelevant, is he going to get paid big? That's the question for you guys.
0: Mark, I have to say very quickly here before you give your detailed analysis, I feel the lack of respect that Brock Purdy's getting is an absolute disgrace. Like, for somebody to come out, and I'm not just saying this because James is on the podcast, there was an analyst in ESPN on Monday morning that said that you could insert Mac Jones into the Niners team and still be as fruitful? I, I, I don't believe that for a second. I think Purdy brings an extra edge to this team. He's the last, for us 90s kids, he's the last 90s kid as a quarterback and I I got to take that. 1999 he was born because James has got the date of birth sitting there. Yep. Um, yep. Do you think, like, I mean, Mark, he's going to get pit big time at some point I, if he keeps doing what he's doing?
1: It's. I think it's a really interesting question. I think it's one that yeah, I, I have to find myself kind of on the tightrope because... I really like Brady, and I agree that he doesn't get enough respect. Like even what Mike Florio, what two weeks ago said, it's because his name isn't correct that he doesn't get respect, which is absolutely crazy. People just they don't because of his draft status, and that's it's what's so ridiculous because fans just put too much stock into draft. You know, even like Puka Nakua being a third rounder, it's like people just didn't expect. But it's like third rounder is still amazing. But anyway, this is that's the point of the not here you or know, there. For me, I went into the season saying that even though I love. Brock Purdy, like I think a lot of, there's a certain quarterback that will work in Kosh Annan's system that I would I would love to see Sam Darnold there because I think that that's the test because he's he's really similar to Brock Purdy. I know I mentioned this in one of our live shows and maybe Aviva, but I, I want to see Sam Darnold, I think the 49ers before they pay Brock Purdy will want to see another quarterback in there because look, we know that they had no luck, the 49ers, for so long at the quarterback position that people were dropping like, like flies, but like they did have some lower caliber names there as their backups that they were willing through. Like we've mentioned them before. We can go through them again, but that's why anytime you put in Jimmy Garoppolo, he was made to look good because he had the likes of CJ Beathard and stuff or Nick Mullins backing him up. But they did look, they did get lucky to a certain point with getting Brock Purdy. he, works their system perfectly but I do think that a Sam Down would be perfect that's why we, he, the Kirk Cousins was obviously always seen as perfect for the system too and that's why they were so desperate to get him just because they now have a handful of guys that work perfect it's like oh well that you don't want to necessarily move on from Brock Purdy I'm not saying that but I think that they finally been able to get the guys into the building and it's working for them and they deserve it after having to rattle through all those names for so long um feel free to come back in that there, uh, James, if you want, but
0: like feel free to also go into the Cowboys because like I was having a conversation with a few people on the podcast on Monday about Dallas and Doug Prescott. Alarming. Alarming, man. Like if you're a Cowboys fan, you're going, what the hell's going right. on here? Like, granted, the Niners are class, James. They're unreal. Like.
2: Yeah, it, Niners are two big things for them. Like you know, I was associated with my own team for a long time. Was they have a serious supporting cast around the young players, so like we talked about Brock Purdy. My answer to my own question is, I don't think he's going to get paid big. I think he's going to get paid like a mid-level, I would expect like a four-year, 100 million, four-year, 120. I can't see a five-year, 200 million contract. I just can't see it. Solely because the coaching and supporting cast around him are awesome. So like you take the players on the Niners, take the players in the Cowboys. I won't say they're very, very similar, extremely similar, but they're not too dissimilar, if you like. And they just look worlds apart. The, The Niners just look like they were very... I would say Irish Ruby-esque clinical. Timing is excellent. Like for George Kittle's first, first um, I was gonna say first try or first touchdown, excuse me. I just thought the play execution was class. Everyone knew what it was supposed to be. Um Kyle Shannon's offense have always been high powered, fast, very, very in, in kind of in depth in their operation. And like for a quarterback of Brock Purdy to be able to, I suppose, thrive in that offense, you know, is impressive. And the liners are just class. They have it all over the field. And even if you didn't associate the Niners with their offense, their defense is class. No, I, I happen to have their defense in my fantasy team and they put up like 38 points for me. <laughs> you know, so so they, were, they, were, they were a good catch. But I think they kind of send out a message, to be honest, guys. I think people seven days ago were saying this is this is a potential, you know, NFC showdown with the Cowboys in the form they were in after coming off the back of their victory. But I have to say, the 49ers humble them and they humbled them nicely. So and I, I think... Going forward, if they do meet again in the future, that's going to be stuck in the back of the Cowboys' head. I am certain that.
0: Mark, could Mike McCarthy lose his job during the season? Oh, oh
2: please. like... Please. like uh,
0: no, I, I'm uh, just, I'm just putting it out please. there because, I'm like, everybody else has said, it. Like, there's a see, couple of hard games coming up.
1: There's, there's, like... yeah, Dak Prescott's getting a lot of, I don't know, you call it slander, whatever you want to call it, like... Dak Prescott gets called out. I think a bit too easy. I think it is like, and I know the questions about Mike McCarthy. But let me get to it. It's like everyone goes to the same names the whole time when like a problem goes around, particularly for the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Pollard was the one that fumbled like what inside his own fifteen yard line. Like when he has the ball, like that's on Tony Pollard. Nick Bosa for his uh, first sack of the game, like the o line crumbles. Like that's not on Dak Prescott. And then, like, I saw other, like, the Turpin touchdown was like a 35 yard air, 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 mail, whatever. Sorry, uh, air yard touchdown. That was beautiful. Like, there was the lob on it and the touch on it. I thought was fantastic. When you look at the actual interceptions that Dak Prescott had, like, the first was absolutely an overthrow. The second one comes off Michael Gallup's hands, bounces a mile, and ends up in a 49ers' hands. And then on the third one, the game looked to be over, and Brandon Cooks doesn't have any i suppose want to be in the game anymore and he either misruns the route or just has no passion on it and he like the ball then is uh overthrown because he hasn't run the route correctly and i was like when people start dumping on mike mccarthy and dak prescott for losing that game it's like there was there was far more going on than just putting on those two guys i was like if you look at the defense uh, like the the same thing is going on like what happened to the defense during the game? Like, Brandon Ayuk, there was a pass during the middle of the game, that, or sorry, probably in the, around the third quarter, that, like, he rips through the middle of the field and bounces off guys. Uh, George Kittle's three touchdowns, like, one was the Lions, the, the Lions had used it earlier on in the game, the trick play when it's, like, passed off three times. But otherwise, like, he was getting massive room. The same for the um uh, the Ushak touchdown. It's like they lined up the 49ers as a run play, and then everyone was like, okay, great. It's, a r- oh, no, it's not a run play. But well, we better not go for use check then because he only runs the ball. And then he has acres. He's like 15 yards of space in the end zone. So it's like everything collapsed for the Cowboys that game the other day. And for everyone to come out then and say, Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, don't get me wrong. Those things could happen at, in other weeks. But this was a collapse on all levels by the Cowboys. What
0: do you think, James?
2: No, I, I, do, I do agree because like, I suppose... I, I I find it hard to believe that McCarthy would get the sack. I, I just I just I can't see it. I know there's probably there's probably a willingness for, for people in Dallas to to try replace and with their defensive coordinator um with Quinn, but like I, I think it's unjust if 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 I'm honest. I think it's because they've come up against, you know, a seriously good team the Niners. They were seriously humbled. I think you'll tell more over the next couple of weeks. You know, if if, if this becomes a pattern. Whereby let's say Dax play levels off, the, the defence begin to level off and they're not as strong a unit as we, we've grown them accustomed to be, then questions might might start getting asked. But I just don't see it just yet. Les. I, I don't see, you know, the the I don't see a recipe for disaster just yet. You know, so I'm willing I'm willing to um, give them the benefit of the doubt. They're in a tough division, albeit with their <clears throat> with their rivals, but I still think they'll come out and qualify for playoffs. So, so I so I will put my uh, put my hat on the table here and say that McCarthy keeps his job for this year.
1: And the fortunate thing they've gone for them is the NFC is like literally down to the Eagles and 49ers now. Exactly. Like, I think I think it's very difficult to like what the Lions were in their division. I think the Packers, obviously, after losing to lose the Raiders, like forget about them. Getting it. They just didn't look like, you know, we thought that they could produce this year. It's like, I don't think that they are better than the Cowboys. I don't think they're better than the Seahawks and that. I think that it's like becoming obvious that like there's probably five quality teams in the NFC and the Cowboys have to be seen as one of them. And then there's going to be two other wall card teams. Like, I I hope it's the probably. If you look at wall card, I hope You've it's the Rams, out, but... the Rams, the Rams, Seahawks, and Cowboys. If other teams get into the wall card than those, it's like, give me a break. Like, that game's a write off. Yeah. I
0: mean, yeah. James, do, do you think Mark's going to spot on? Like, do you think we're going to be some surprise in the next few months? I, I hope we do. I, I want yeah, it to like, be less like obvious.
2: At, like, at the start of the year, I would have held out some, a small bit of hope for Washington, like, but haven't seen them shake off this year. I'm mean, not. You're, you're an opportunity. so I rule commanders out. Giants, let's not just talk about them. So you're looking at Philly and Dallas and go right. Your division, both you'll come out. Then you go to the west you're going Niners. Obviously, I just don't think the Seahawks have the quarterback strength and have the have the offensive strength this year. So they're not like obviously what they used to be, but they're not going to be a juggernaut that's going to take down legs of the Niners. Um, the Rams, they look to me like they're a good unit, but they're not producing the goods. You know, they're kind of like they're stuttering. You know, they're stuttering and. I will put a small bit of faith in McVeigh to get it going and, and the quarterback, but they just don't strike or let's say fear into me like, like the Niners do with this, this present moment. Because if I'm assessing the Niners, even if I'm an AFC team, I'm going, geez, them guys are hot. Better than the Eagles, if you ask me. So like when that when that showdown comes and it will come, like that that'll be a hot one. So I'm saying in the NFC, there's probably, in my opinion, there's probably two max three teams that could take on five teams in the AFC. You know, you could probably you could probably pick five teams now. It's just thinking playoff time. Come January, five teams that I would expect to be to be hitting the high road there would be the Bills, I think, will pick it up. I, I think the, the last weekend was uh, they were a victim of circumstance because playing the game in London. Um the Dolphins are obvious. Chief the really Chiefs are obvious. You know, you're looking at um at things uh, going right, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, you're back, lads. You know, there's there's a potential here, you're back. And anyone else in the AFC, you're kinda of going probably four teams I narrowed down to four teams that's, that's, that's who i go with to be honest yeah, that, that, could, that could pull up a high challenge or or, or exceed affiliate uh, uh, and, and uh, the Niners
1: and at least I suppose in the AFC you could say you can make an argument for maybe the Ravens or the Chargers are able to come out and start to play well but that's where I'm like when it comes to the NFC it's like it's a two horse race with maybe two other teams there that could be frisky and then like yeah you're you're banking on the Seahawks to be able to turn things around and look good yeah. it's weird to be saying that so early into the year but like the 49ers and the Eagles are so far ahead in the NFC now oh, and man. like when you see Dallas there this week like you know they have plenty of time to get it together again but like looking at Zach Prescott. After the game, we talked last week, whether it was the other podcast or this, I don't know, about like how they were so for this game because they were like thinking about this game since last year's playoffs, and it's like that's a sucker punch. That's one like when they lost to the Cardinals, it's like, oh look, we didn't show up today, we underestimated them. That's one that they wanted to get back, and it's like when they're lost, it's like that's devastating for them.
2: Yeah, because like when you when you when you're on a team setting right and you apply apply yourself to the pool, and you develop a game plan, camaraderie, a team ethos—you name it, right—that you believe will take down the opposition, a high-quality opposition. And it doesn't work. That's soul destroying. Soul destroying because it just—it questions everything. It questions your personnel, it questions your team ethos, it questions you as an individual, it questions what you're doing in terms of tactics. And you're saying to yourself, "Guys, we can't take down these lads," <laughs> you know. And when you come up against them again, you will get pumped and you'll get, you get—you know—you'll you'll think you're you're a psychous of out, but subconsciously you're saying. We haven't, got, we haven't got the tools to take them down. And that's that's where I think Dallas are at. You know, I think an awful lot of things have to go right. And I hate to see it. Referee calls, you know, certain instances. I think an awful lot of things have to go right for them, for them to take over the Niners. Because Niners are where they're going. They're going to have home field advantage, obviously. So whatever chance they have in at uh, in t like Cowboys have no chance over, over in the Bay, in my view.
0: I boys chargers Monday Night Football interesting and talking about set up late I set up late you're talking about the commanders a second ago James set up late for that on Thursday night and there will be a time in my life when I think back to the time that I've wasted and by God <laughs> that's up there that <laughs> is up there my boys I tell you absolutely More, uh, the, like honestly gak, pure gak. like that's the only way I can describe it kiat as we say that was kiat do you say kiat
1: in Galway and Kildare
2: cash, yeah cash.
1: Jeez, cash. kiat Jesus, cat, but Mark,
2: yeah,
1: you said? Yeah. I, I suppose not so much. Like, obviously, I know what it means, but me, no, I, I don't think I've ever seen it's a car. We
0: see savage, to me, means
1: bad. Oh, wow. What? Savage,
0: so this is the whole good. thing now. Like, this savage is turning into a whole different...
2: Yeah.
0: I'm presuming savage means good for you, James, yeah?
2: Savage is good, yeah. Deadly is good.
0: If some of the things to get sorted here, boys, never mind casements, so we'll just move on here right now. Um... <laughs> before we talk about the patriots let's let's quickly talk about the Bengals, james and you're talking about different teams and it's sh- talking about this in a different podcast this week you know it shows the the short-termism of this league you know obviously you're going to have different storylines the first few weeks of the season but three weeks ago everybody was out in the Bengals. the Steelers were fly, or you know flopping sorry in the afc north now the Steelers are top of the afc north joe burrow has a a great performance or a well-improved performance albeit for an yeah. interception against the cardinals at the weekend are you back in on the Cincinnati train after watching them at the weekend?
2: Well, I was not out to be honest. Um, like, I, I would obviously question some teams. That's why I, I didn't even mention the, the Ravens or the Browns, even though they have after good enough starts, you could say, um, at, at, in the FC, because they just seem to have struggled with sustainability throughout the whole course of the year. Whereas with Cincinnati, and even when Joe Burrow came in the league in his first year, I know he did an awful injury, such a, but when he came back again, and he just kept on... I was supposed to prize me and surprise in me. And next thing they're in the AFC Championship. And then I give them no hope against Kansas. And they beat Kansas, you know, and I'm going, "Geez, I'm a believer. And they repeat it again next year or thereafter. Or be it they didn't get to the Super Bowl, but they are beaten by the eventual champions. So I'm like, I'm a believer. So I'm looking at Joe i and go, "Right, right, you're elite. You've proven it. I believe in you. So even if you get to kind of a stuttering start, you're going to get your shit together. And I think, I'm not, not saying that they're back, but they seem to have just steered the shit back, back on the right tra- track again. I like Jamar Chase. it's Hard to believe he hadn't scored, <laughs> he hadn't scored in the first four games of the year, and here we are, three touchdowns, breaks the Bengals' get record for, uh, for a for reception. So top top left. and I I do think that it, like I think a good thing for them was the fact that Pittsburgh beat the Ravens. You know, I think that that that, that stopped the the Ravens with their with uh with victories in uh, away from home. So that has a big part to play with too. The battle's in their own division. If you come out of that division, you're not doing too bad at all. And I just think they're that the. The trajectory will start to go up now. Like it was probably a slow burn at the start, but I do think they begin to rise and rise at a more rapid pace. Um that, that uh we've weren't accustomed to. So yeah, I'm on the train. I'm not driving it, but I'm on it.
0: Juju.
1: Yeah, I think
2: don't talk about Juju, okay? <laughs>
1: there you go. <laughs> I you know I, I thought it was really interesting with the Bengals because look, they're playing my Cardinals, and I again I think that the scoreline didn't reflect how good of a game it was. But I think there was a lot of, there's more positives. There was a lot of positives as a Cardinals fan, but I suppose when you're looking at a serious team, like the Bengals needed to show these saplings come through because they can actually turn it around. And we have the belief that they can turn it around. Joe Burrow comes out 10 for 10, looking absolutely phenomenal. He, for the first touchdown to Jamar Chase, it's like pressure comes his way. And he kind of, he looks off to the right and he's like, no, the play's not working. And he just like, what, 180 degrees or kind of 270 degrees, turns and throws the ball. And he knows, he just knows Jamar Chase is waiting for the ball there. And I was like, geez, I haven't seen that for my year. And he didn't look so at all. But then if you haven't seen the game, it actually looked a bit kind of um that things weren't going in the right direction because then he goes one for five in his next, whatever, must have been across two drives because he got sacked a couple of times and the sacks were like, like actually, one of them he almost gets out of, and it's kind of funny he spins out of a first move, then he kind of like half hurdles over a diving defender, and then eventually like the third wave takes him down and he, yeah he he got hit on three straight drives and then they got uh, stopped in the end zone there was or sorry on fourth down, and they're kind of thinking, oh they're not able to get themselves out of this hole, but then, after one of the sacks, he throws like a fifty five yard Wow. To Jamar Chase, yeah, and you're like, "Whoa, he stay composed. Like this is what they're missing. Like he's getting hit, he should be hurt, he should be sore at least, mm-hmm. but he's still able to keep going." And I was like, "That's that's the difference." And like you're saying, James, he set the record. What did he end up with, Jamar Chase? 14 or 15 catches, so it and it's 14,
2: like yeah. for one 14, one, yeah, 189 was a bit
1: something like that a massive and it's like they were back on the same page now it helps T Higgins wasn't in the game and I think but Tyler Boyd also mm-hmm. had a couple of plays that um, and the defense started to come up good as well actually I have to say they had a strip sack and they had an interception like deep in Cardinals territory uh, Josh Dobbs was thrown out of the end zone so I think they picked him off at like the 10 yard line so the defense was there too which is obviously really important because that you know really helped them in the, in the playoffs last year but yeah, there was plenty of signs. Like literally the signs that we were talking about for four weeks through the in the NFL that we need to see this from Joe Burrow. He delivered it on, on, on the weekend. It's like you have to take massive positives from that, especially as that uh, division has beat itself up like we said it would. Yeah. James, it's time.
0: We, we have to talk about it. Um, yeah. I, I, I watched out James this morning and uh, the first thing he said to me, was how you I'm depressed and yeah. for a split second it goes oh God, I hope James all right you know it's World Mental Health Day it actually yeah. is and then I was like hold on it's the Patriots yeah it's the Patriots now you sell the jersey on James for people listening to this you know you, you're yeah, you're I'm still not, going
2: I'm not a fair weather fan. it'll never come off me it'll never ever come off me
0: you because use did,
1: this uh, as your opportunity to to unload it. from what was just it's kind of funny, you know, those like sports radio shows and it's like you answer your questions, like I'm going to hang up now and I'll listen in for your answer. It's like, James, now for the next 15 minutes, it's this is on you. Michael and I just mute the microphones and let you at it.
2: Well, I tell you, I, I maybe call it passion or call it psychosis. I'm not sure what I call it, right? <laughs> what they've done to me, what they've done to me over the past, past two, two, uh, two weeks is caused me to go just to investigate. So I said, how have we got to this point? You know, so I started looking at, it's easy to look at the performances and pick, I look at the pick sixes and all. Oh, it's easy to look at that. That's the simple thing to do. That, they, that's kind of the, the 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 very, very obvious situation. Yes, they played bad, they played terrible, right? But I started looking at drafts. I started looking at the players that drafted, where we are in the cap. And I said, it must it must be much deeper than just, you know, bad play. And as simple as, oh, the all-line are terrible and the skill set, players are no good, quarterback is, yada, yada, yada. So I started looking. So a couple of things came up to me, right? So I looked at the cap. And I took the Chiefs as kind of an example uh, to to cross-reference, solely because they won the Super Bowl last year and they were always the AFC rivals. So the Chiefs at the minute, right, have twice the cap space we have. Okay. We have 43 million spent on tight ends this year, with 25 million of that in dead, dead cap for John Smith. The Chiefs have 17 million in their tight ends, and look what they have in terms of production. So I'm like, we have not spent well at all over the last three years. So, like when I look at it, just the title, I just picked Titans' position because Travis Kelty is obviously the premium title in the league and we're just really struggling. Hunter is solid, no way is elite. Kaseki and then Jonathan Smith, the guy who's not even in, in the team with us. So, our, our cap situation is terrible. And this is all the while Mack is on a rookie contract and Mahomes is 37 million against the cap for, for Kansas. So, like, we are just paying the wrong personnel. We're paying the wrong personnel. We're not paying high class skill play, skilled players or free agents. And you know it's it's I would say it's it's coming it's coming against us right now. Then I looked at the, at the rookies and I went back over ten years against Kansas and there's an all rookie team that's picked every year, right? And Kansas have twelve players that have been on the all rookie team and the Patriots have had four. You know what I mean? And one of those players, Joe Tony, is currently playing for who? Flipping Kansas. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we let go a premium premium guard. Let him go. A Super Bowl winning guard. Let him go to, the, to one of our biggest rivals. And look where he is right now. So when I when I spoke with you a couple of weeks ago, guys, I had no question over Bill Belichick, the coach, but I had a big question over Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick the GM. And so when I started diving into it, I'm going, yeah. The proof is in the pudding. There, like, we've just made some awful personnel decisions, whether that's his support and cast around them, which I don't think it is. Uh, and we've made some terrible personnel decisions of the players. And it's going to happen now. So I hate to say it, we're at the level of mediocrity. Heading even down the way. We're heading south. With, with, in, in an area that I would have associated with, you know, the Jets and the Browns for years. You know what I mean? So now, now we're lacking relevance. So I don't have a bit of a rant, but it's easy to pick out the game. We scored three points in, in two games. It's a combined score of 72 to three. We've been in the red zone not since our second quarter of our third game. You know what I mean? It's just completely abysmal. Our kicker keeps missing. So it's like we just can't seem to get out of our own way. You know, and it's like Oh, Juju and Douglas didn't finish the game. So now where do we go from here? So it's a very, very difficult proposition for, for the Patriots. And if I was talking to, to my relatives over over the course of the weekend, and if you think I'm depressed, oh, they, are, they are downright depressed. They don't know where to turn. You know, because they've obviously been part of the glory years. But it is, over. they were saying over there, there's a big calling now for Belichick to be to own up to this. You know, and there's, there's the potential for him to lose his job, not even the end of the year, last, you know, mid-season. Which I... I thought it was never going to be a possibility. I thought there was too much, I suppose, of a relationship there amongst Kraft and Belichick, but now it's becoming real. There's the the back, Boston is the winningest city in all of America with all their teams, baseball, American football, hockey, etc. So there that, that that area has grown accustomed to success. So I don't think they care who was over them. There's no nostalgia there. As soon as Brady left, they're like, that's it, we're done. Half the, half the fan base was lost when, when they let Brady go. So here we are. But yeah, how do, they do? <laughs> so I do? There's
1: so, there's so much that is there to kind of unpack that it's like, yeah, when you talk about when they went for after Johnny Smith, it's like Belichick always was one of those people that would sign someone that had helped to beat them. And it's like, look, he didn't have an amazing game in that playoff back in 2020, but it was then the next time his contract came up one year later, the Patriots went after him. And it, it was them spending money and it kind of ties into the point that I'm going to make. And it's... That Robert Kraft, after Brady went, was willing to spend money because he was like, We have to stay relevant. We have to stay or show that Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick were as big of this whole dynasty as Tom Brady was. And I think that that's now actually what could come against Bill Belichick. I was one of those that never saw that Bill Belichick could be gone, especially this year or m- during the season. Whereas now it's like Robert Kraft is thinking about his own legacy. Like, he's always been second fiddle to jerry jones in terms of like being an owner even though he's done massive things for say collective bargaining agreements or getting COVID the season TV on the line deals. and all yeah. that that he yeah and tv deals massive behind the scenes and maybe he's thinking now i'm being like look i'm getting older and stuff i need to show that i can be successful with another head coach and that. And it's like he he is massively proud like is he in the hall of fame? I don't think he is in the hall of fame no. as an owner, and it's no. that. And that's the whole thing that he's like, How come Jerry Jones got in? There's now been too many owners have been put in in recent years, so they don't want to put another owner in. So, how the hell can I get in there to show that I was part of it? Because, it, and this isn't just like a me, me, me thing, it is a, obviously a pride and a legacy thing. It's like, it is that you're revered as one of the biggest impactful player or you know people on the NFL which I think he should be there but I understand the whole politics go against it I know um the he, he probably would have got in except for the scandal out of Florida a few years back which he obviously got cleared from which is the funny thing is like the other girls ended up paying money for uh, soliciting him in that all debacle but um I think that Robert Kraft never pulled rank when it came to a lot of things like early on with like Bledsoe and stuff, he never pulled rank. And I think that that might come back now that he he is willing to do it because he's been and seen and learned so much that like the loyalty, I think he might look after himself here and say, yeah, we'll go after someone. else." And like, this is my thinking. I haven't stopped thinking about this in the last week because I've just completely 180'd because I personally can't see a life beyond Bill Belichick for the New England Patriots. But, like, all the problems that you're talking about there, James, are new to you, and they're what comes with having a new uh, coach and having to move on from a quarterback. And it's like, the Patriots are going through the teething problems anyway. So why not just go in on the rebuild and do it differently?
2: Like, are you saying kind of semi-tank a bit?
1: Not not tank, but it's like, they're, like, for, as a... Cardinals fan like we hadn't got the quarterback and it was always like even when there was Carson Palmer it's, who do you go to next and then eventually they get Kyler Murray and it's well then you have to put the players around him you have to put the coach around him like the Patriots have the same questions as a team that is starting from the bottom i.e., Who is our quarterback? Who is our coach of the future? Do we have him? What is our identity? The Patriots don't have any of that. Like, It's kind of funny because we know that a lot of the player, sorry, a lot of the talent behind the scenes in the front office has moved away like over the years and maybe it hasn't worked out or whatever. But like a name like Monty Austin Ford is doing it with the Cardinals now and he was one that the Patriots wanted to keep around but then they kind of pissed them off and he wouldn't renew his contract because they wouldn't allow him to um, to go for other jobs, or other teams when they're able to prevent it. So eventually, he was able to get out of his contract. And that attitude tried to, to see or eventually see through. Like even the likes of Easterby that ended up with te- the Texans and stuff. Like a lot of the names there that were part of the Patriots culture, the Patriots culture wasn't transferable. But they always thought that they would have a likes of Bill O'Brien that they could just promote or that um, uh, Josh McDaniels would be promoted and they would stay with the whole Bill Belichick way because that works in New England and New England only. Whereas I think Robert Kraft is thinking, in my final years, we've learned that the Bill Belichick way of doing things worked in the early '90s to mid-tens. Um, but there's a new way of playing football now and the Bill Belichick way doesn't work. And all of those like succession plans are out the window.
2: Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good points there. And it feels like that he, you know, he's. I, I always would associate Bill with being a kind of a defensive mastermind. Like he, he came up in the '80s and '90s and was obviously exposed to some of the great systems that you and, and great players at the time. And that I think the defensive structure will will last you. You know, it'll last you throughout throughout different phases or different different genres of the game as as the years progress. But the offensive side of the ball has completely changed. I think in the last ten years, the landscape of which. Teams develop their offense is way different. Like I think I honestly think gone is the day now where you've got the static quarterback just to rip the ball. That, that doesn't happen anymore. I think defensive lines are too powerful. I think they get to the quarterback way too fast. I think the corners and safeties are so fast that and that they they can they can switch into cover and man so fast. Like that quarterbacks have to be mobile with it. So I'm like Belichick. I feel like is, is, is struggling to trying to develop up new ideas and so he's trying to bring in personnel around him to, to maybe prop up his own faults. now this is me talking as an Irishman about Bill Belichick but you know where I'm coming from, that's why Bill O'Brien came back, I think it's it's obviously made an awful error last year with George George and Matt Patricia trying to give them the offensive plays especially with, with a year two quarterback then he brings back Bill O'Brien, someone who's trusted from Alabama, but it's, I think the situation is Bill O'Brien just can't do an awful lot because the pieces aren't there to, to help the team thrive and all of that I have to say comes back to Belichick, comes back to him for the decisions he's made, not just this year, but over the last, of, I suppose, three years, four years in, in in the era post-Brady. So all that point, if there's any other coach in any other organization, he's having a chat with the owner as we speak right now, and they're relieving him his duties. And that's the
1: Do you know what what I find so interesting? And I hope this is me being tuned into the NFL enough and I don't have to go off the likes of ESPN or NFL media to be able to make this point, because I think there's something glaringly obvious that people aren't talking about. It's been completely forgotten about that last year, Mac Jones got in trouble for going, quote unquote, outside the organization for help. And he went to Bill O'Brien asking for tips. Mac Jones is when you're talking about Bill Belichick being to blame here, you know, that it rests on his shoulders. Mac Jones is Bill Belichick's choice at quarterback. He wasn't happy that his quarterback looked elsewhere, but he he learned from that incident and said, well, if the quarterback thinks that Bill O'Brien is the best person for him, I need this quarterback to work out because I want to be correct with the quarterback. I want to show that I've drafted this quarterback and that he was perfect. So he went down and got Bill O'Brien. So it's like, that's another decision that was made to make Belichick look good himself. Like, he's so particular with his personnel that he went off and got Bill O'Brien. So I think that it's like, I I think you're making a point there that I'm looking at from a different point of view. But I think it's the same thing that it's like, Bill Belichick is now doing things to kind of tide himself over. Like, even when they went out and got JC Jackson, he's like, well, he used to work my system. He knows, and he will be coached up to the way that I do things because Bill Belichick is very tough on the players. And it's like, you can't be tough if you have nothing to show for it. Like, you know, he's not giving them any congratulations. He's not giving them any, like, flowers. Mm-hmm. And that worked when you have the likes of Tom Brady winning games, and then it's like, you're able to be held to a higher standard. But right now, the head coach isn't, like, it doesn't, it's it's for nothing. All of this effort is for nothing. And it's like, Bill Belichick's way no longer works. It's the system as well. Like they they
0: were they were twenty fourth last year overall, the thirty second this year. And Bill O'Brien, as the OC, was working with guys the last time he was there: Tom Brady, Gronk, Hernandez, Walker, Edelman, Randy Moss. I mean, you can't polish a third, James. I mean, like the talent that he's that they're working with now is not good enough. Not that, that goes down to what you said as that, and Mark said as well about the about the decisions the GM. Like I, I'd love to know just not just on what Mark said, but you know, I think one of the biggest negatives is not just on the offense side of the ball. I'm gutted as a general lower of the game not to see more of Christian Gonzalez this side of this year, yeah. you know?
2: Yeah, like, he he was on, I, I, I think he was on our trajectory now for Defence Rookie of the Year, I think, and also even in our blow, the way he was playing, like, he was playing, he was shooting the lights out, and like, I think we're very quick to forget who he faced, you know, in his first three, three games. You know, he faced, he faced arguably three of the top wide receivers in the league, in my opinion, you know, if not four. So, like, he he was a stud, and you've lost him, you lost Marcus Jones, you lost Jonathan Jones, you lost Judon. It's like, <laughs> it just seems to get worse, you know. And it's on both sides of the ball. Sometimes one side of the ball can cover the other, but what's happening right now is we go three and out, defense on the ball, or back in. Then they're, then they're, you know, they're, they're doing what they can to, to stifle opposition offense then our, our offense comes back in, three and out, kind of again. We got one, four, one third down execution out of 14 uh, Sunday. That is crazy. One third down execution out of 14. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm saying it low because it's just, it's hard to believe it. And just on your point as well, Mark, about Betishek, and I I, I I understand the whole biller O'Brien situation, but like, he has to probably sit back at some stage. i presume he does. I don't think he's that kind of high in himself, whereby he got all the personnel himself. Well, I started thinking today, he's the one that went out and got Juju over Myers. Not to say Myers is going to be a game changer. Right? He went and got Kazeki He went and got Hunter. You know, like we knew the offensive line was the problem over the last two seasons and we still didn't, I would say we upgraded to a degree, but we didn't upgrade it to a high degree in my opinion. Like Trent Brown seems to have just shut off that. Like the average time Mac was got to on Sunday was 1.8 seconds. That's, Tom Brady used to get the ball out on average at 2.5 seconds when he was sling it. And now Mac is at Mac is at 1.8. They got to him at 1.36 seconds when Cam Jordan sacked him in second half. Like that's that's way too fast. You know what I mean? The ball is not even snapped it. So I, I, I feel sorry for Mac. I do. Like and it's a bit I put him in nearly kind of halfway in the Daniel Jones bracket. Like I feel sorry for what he said to pull up with. And I do think if you put Brock Purdy or put Mahomes in the situation, they still struggle, even though Mahomes is scrambled. Right, I, I, I don't think Black Hurley would, would, would would in any ways benefit in this system. Uh so but I still don't agree with Mac Jones would be able to strive in the liner system. I think there's still a level a difference in levels there. But yeah, look, it's just look at I won't lie to you, it's a shit show around. You <laughs> so, know, and it's a space to be watched because something's gonna happen. Something has to give. Something has to give big time guys. Right? Either there's gonna be a blockbuster trade, there's gonna be, you know, a, a, a high profile second, something's gonna happen because craft won't settle.
1: The O-line is definitely a problem. Uh, this other whole thing about, like, do you think Mac Jones, because I can't believe, like, if Betty Zappi didn't work out as their quarterback a backup up last year, like, I don't know why they went back again with Betty Zappi as your backup. Do you, from what, what you're saying there, you don't agree that Mac Jones should be benched, even though it looks like it could happen in the next couple of weeks?
2: Well, you, you play the character, and Unfortunately, Mac Jones is what we have. Like Mac Jones' uh, completion percentage, like up in general, was like a sixty-four percent up to the, the last couple of weeks. Like Billy Zappi over his whole career is at forty-four percent, so like he's not the answer either. And like sometimes I have it happen to myself when I go when we draft a quarterback, right? Let's have it, let's give this guy a real chance. But then they just don't have it. You know, they just they just don't have it, and that that's that's unfortunate. Um, I would have been a critic when we let Jimmy G go. When we get we get to, when we let Jacoby Brissett go. But ultimately, they have proven that they haven't been high-level quarterbacks either. So. It's an extremely, extremely high difficulty position to play. And I understand that we we, we get kind of we're guilty of comparing them to the yeah, you know, the Mahomes, the Herbert these days. But in my opinion, there's only probably four elite quarterbacks in the elite, elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Probably six or seven very, very good. And unfortunately Mac Jones is on the is on the, the lesser tier. Like he's probably is he even in the top twenty five? If you put him into a different scheme, is he in the top twenty-five? Unlikely. Probably not.
1: Last he year, when in? last year in what ESPN's like QB metric or whatever, he came out at twenty-eighth. You know, they obviously have their different ways of doing things. I'd yeah. love to see Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that was always the success. That will always be the what if for me. What if they had kept him? And you know, they, you know, because that was the whole thing. There was too many pieces. They got they got pulled too thin. I think in the end, that's a, that will be the what would be written on the gravestone of the on the dynasty of the New England Patriots. They just got pulled too thin. It was that everyone wanted the behind the scenes people or the players. And that, like I I'd just have loved to see what could happen if they kept Jimmy Garoppolo, which are that's why he went because he looked so yeah. good when they were they were able to plug him in for that um few weeks that Brady was gone. Alternate
0: yeah. universe. Alternate universe. Um yeah, James, so. we have um so I'm in Barcelona last week of the month and Mark, I haven't told Mark it, Mark's going to have to host this podcast that week because my wife will kill me if I start hosting the podcast. I'll try. <laughs> <Lovely>. <laughs> I'll try. But there's no way we get like, as it stands, the way the Patriots are going, the way a lot of teams are going, it's going to be hard to record on the 31st of October, the trade deadline day. I'll tell you that. We're going to have to wait to just after to, like imagine the deadline closes at nine o'clock Mark and we get James immediate thoughts. What do you mean the trade of the way this person is? <laughs> it could be, it could be a complete rebuild, but time will, time will tell. Um, James, good crack this week. Good crack. Hopefully, we're talking to you post-rugby, post post-pints, post post-London. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, next oh, week. I'll be there. I'll be there. I've <laughs> <Avec, Avec> got <laughs> bells on, man. I've got bells on. We are... Um, obviously, got a London game coming up this week, folks. Uh, we'll be there on Sunday. Do feel free to follow us, NFL Ireland. Follow James. We'll drop his socials in the comments. And uh, James' Patriots are in... Germany in 32 days time so looking forward to that game even if it is the Patriots against the Colts at the minute the tickets might get that low James you might have to fly over at this point we'll see the crack
2: well that won't be the panic
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I, now, do you know what before we find, I would love oh. to actually that was something oh. that I wanted to ask because I'm going over and we've no idea how's it with this impact how the Patriots are playing like you're such a passionate fan and they're kind of within touching distance. I've been paying attention to the prices of that game. With this change that you don't? I know you've seen them before and stuff like that. It'll be over. would you would it put you off? I'm just wondering about like the most passionate of fans. I know like the the fair weather fans have already disappeared. But as in terms of that, would you still be there?
2: I oh, would, yeah. Yeah, would bother
1: me. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Like I, I don't like like. Let's just say some people I know like they, they they'll they'll hop on you know the bandwagon of the Tom Brady area, and now they're Buccaneers fans. And now they're doing a to support. You know what I mean? So they they they, they go where the where the goes and where the, the the profile goes. But no. I'm a Patriots man, I'm afraid. <laughs> we think <laughs> of things like a marriage lads, for better or for worse. And this is where we're at right now. We're at the worst.
0: I can't wait for the press conference in Germany when he's asking Bill Malachik, what the F happened there, Billy? What happened there, boy? And <laughs> who's asking this? Uh, no, here, bring it on. Bring it on, lads! Thanks a million, James. Goodbye, Grim- Grim- Margaret, and uh, chat next week. You guys.